the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. This is the word to stand on for life with Pastor Ron Arbaugh. The word is sharper than any two-edged sword. And it cuts deep into my heart. The word to stand on for life is a radio ministry of Calvary Chapel in San Antonio. A live call-in show here to help you answer your questions about the Bible and how to apply the word to your daily life. For more information on Calvary Chapel, visit our website, calvarysa.com. Get your Bible questions ready and call in now to 210-340-9585. It's The Word to Stand On for Life with Pastor Ron Arbaugh. Show. Thank you for tuning in. I'm Pastor Ron Arbaugh from Calvary Chapel in San Antonio, Texas, and this is The Word to Stand On for Life, a program dedicated to taking your phone calls and answering your questions, Bible questions, questions about something going on in your life, um, really whatever's on your heart. All you have to do is pick up the phone and dial 210-340-9585. If you're outside the local San Antonio area, you can call toll-free at 877-630-KSLR. That's 630-5757. You can email questions to us by emailing questions at calvarysa.com or you can use our free Calvary Chapel of San Antonio mobile app. And as always, I want to remind you on this cold Monday, if you are driving in your car, the safest way to call is to use the free KSLR mobile app. Just hit the call now banner at the top of the screen. You'll be connected directly to our studio producer. Hope you had a great weekend in church yesterday. I know that we did um, lots of neat stuff going on. So um, we got a couple of questions about yesterday's message and some related things, so I'll get to those in a moment. Uh, remember, we love your phone calls. You're more interesting than I am, so um, we'd love the calls. While we wait here are some questions that have been sent in um, from the audience. This one is from Sherry. Sherry Cicillo, we've been watching service through live stream. And we hear Pastor Ron talk about a new location. Where is Calvary Chapel of San Antonio moving to? And she says, thank you. I hope it's closer to us as we want to come back in person, hoping to start with the semi-annual pancake breakfast. Let me correct something, okay? I know our announcer said yesterday uh, several times, all three services, our semi-annual, that's incorrect. It's our biannual. We have it twice a year. Every time we move the clock, we have the pancake breakfast. And, boy, it's good. So please, please, Sherry, uh, enjoy uh, the pancake breakfast. Come have a great, great time. Uh, remember, this weekend we turn our clocks back. That means we recover that hour of sleep that we lost earlier. I've been waiting half a year to catch up to it. So uh, that's this weekend. And uh, yeah, we will be having a pancake breakfast here. Um, Sherry, we are moving um, our new location. It won't be until probably July of uh, 2024. There's a lot of uh, reconstruction uh, that needs to to go on, and we'd appreciate your prayers for that. We start the demolition. Actually, uh, it was supposed to be started today. They didn't get there. It's going to be started until early tomorrow morning. And it's just going to take some time to uh, to get it done. But it's very close to where we are. I don't know where you're coming from, obviously, Sherry, and and uh, we're moving. It's it's about a half mile from here, um, uh, about a half mile farther south toward Randolph Air Force Base. But it's a big facility, and once it's up and running, you won't be able to miss it. So 
Um, we hope you enjoy it, and we'd love to see you guys. And if you would, Sherry, you and your husband, if you'd introduce yourself to me so I can put a face with the name, that would be great. Thank you very much for um, the question. Here is a question. This is anonymous. Um, hey, Pastor Ron, I caught your Bible study yesterday where you mentioned covering everything from Genesis to Revelation. But when I checked your past teachings, I couldn't find uh, much uh, on certain Old Testament books like Psalms, uh, Amos, and First and Second Chronicles. Do you think uh, there might be a gap there? Um, anonymous, there's no gap. You know, when when I did the Psalms and and the books that you mentioned, uh, we weren't even recording stuff. We we, we did that when we were poor and. Uh, weren't recording anything. So I've done it. I hope, now I'm 100 years old. I told the church that yesterday. Uh, I hope that before uh, it's my time to go be with Jesus, uh, I hope that I'll get those books on tape. Psalms uh, takes forever. And and uh, I, I just can't figure a way uh, to effectively teach through Psalms. I have done it once uh, with the old church. Uh, I love First and Second Chronicles, so I've taught that in uh, um, Amos or Amos. Uh, I'm going to be doing uh, very, very quickly here on Wednesday night. Currently on Wednesday night, we're in the book of Leviticus, so I'll probably do Amos um, following that so I can say it's all done. Uh, but but yeah, we've taught through the, the Bible. Now, for the rest of the audience, uh, believe it or not, there's people that actually don't listen to me on Sunday uh, who tune in this radio program. Um, um, part of it was uh, the Apostle Paul's farewell to the Ephesian elders, where he said to them, that I declare to you that I'm innocent of your blood, for I have not failed to declare the whole counsel of God. And um, what that means to us, we teach from Genesis to Revelation, um, book by book, chapter by chapter, verse by verse. And I made the comment yesterday that I believe that's really the only effective way. I think that's the Acts chapter 2 model for doing um, church. And, and it's the, the model that Paul followed. And it is also true, I think, um, uh, most effectively done as you just teach through the Bible. You see, I can't come up with certain topics that are interesting to me. I can't avoid some of the topics uh, in the Bible that are a little less um, interesting to talk about or even more difficult. I'll give you an example. On Wednesday, uh, this coming up Wednesday, we're in Leviticus, and uh, we've arrived at Leviticus chapter 18. It is a book uh, that is entirely about human sexuality and God's perspective on it. And since his perspective is the one that matters, it is going to be a very unpopular study. By the way, I told our people that it is a Bible study for mature audiences. And believe me, this is a chapter that I would skip. I mean, if it was up to me, there's no fun in it. It's not something that is going to make people uh, really search their own hearts unless they're in sexual sin. But but it's just, that's the Bible, the way it's laid out. So in, in matters like this, um, um, we believe that it is our responsibility to teach through the Bible, and we do that. You know, it's interesting to me, one of the um, comments that I get from other pastors, well, well, if you just go through the Bible, how do you ever proclaim the gospel of Jesus Christ? And and there's never a Bible study that doesn't include the um, gospel of Jesus Christ. Jesus said, the law and the prophets testify of me. Um, the book, the Bible, 66 books written by 40 different authors over about 1,500 years is all and only about Jesus. And if you look for Jesus in the Old Testament, he's there on every page. And and uh, I'm saying this as a pastor who's just now going through the book of Leviticus, which is very difficult and, and, and in many cases not interesting to dig into. But um, believe me, Jesus is on every page. Uh, I teach the New Testament on Friday nights, the old, the New Testament on Sundays, and the Old Testament on Wednesdays. So that's uh, what we do. Some of the books, and this is back to the question, some of the books for you, Anonymous, um, I've taught several times uh, as I felt the leading of the Lord to do so. Thank you for the question. I appreciate it. Here is a question. This one is from 
also anonymous. <clears throat> um, hi, Pastor Ron. You mentioned on Friday that the single most important thing a father could do for his child is to speak well of the mother. I love that you speak a lot more to the fathers and husbands than you do to wives and mothers. I think they need it more and have a higher responsibility. As a wife and mother, what is the single most important thing that a mother can do for her child that will benefit the child um, for the child's father? A couple of things. One, I want to correct something. I didn't say to speak well of the mother. Now, certainly we should always speak well of the mother. Uh, one of the things that is staggering to me uh, and, and this comes from my own personal experience growing up as a child in my, my parents' home, not a Christian home, uh, but but I heard my mother and father fighting all the time. Now, not physical fighting, but yelling and screaming, uh, cursing at one another, calling each other horrible names. I cannot say with enough uh, conviction how that hurt my heart. You know, when Paula, she grew up in a different environment than I do, but we, we don't argue. I mean, we don't, we don't raise our voices. And I can't imagine why a Christian parent would ever raise their voice and say things to your children's father or your children's mother and, and say hurtful things in the hearing of your children. It makes absolutely no sense and I think it is devastating to the kids so I think that's important and the reason I speak more to the fathers uh, and, and, and the husbands is simply because the Bible addresses the men that was a patriarchal culture and the Bible addresses the men and typically what I'll try to do is take the application of it and apply it to the, the wives and the mothers as well. The other thing that I want to correct is uh, I don't know that I said to speak well of, but, but what I usually say when I say that, and I know I mentioned it at least one of the services yesterday as well, is that the, the most important thing that a father can do for their children is to adore, adore their mother. A husband and a wife who are in love and, and, and freely show that love. They, they demonstrate the fruits of the Spirit, patience, kindness, uh, peace, uh, goodness. I think that makes our children so comfortable. And they understand that the Jesus of their mom and dad is a Jesus that really is loving, a Jesus that really promotes that kind of fellowship. So it's really important that we do that. Now, you asked specifically, what's the most important thing that a mother can do uh, for her child uh, and I think that is to not only respect the father, but love him as well. Now, I hope this doesn't freak anybody out. But I think husbands and wives ought to be playful in front of their children. Hugging and kissing and sitting on laps and those kind of things. And the kids will be creeped out by it. But you just tell them to get over it. I want, I blew it, okay? My, when my kids were growing up, uh, I was a jerk. But but when I would like every child of a Christian, of Christian parents, to be able to say is, my mom and dad really loved Jesus, and they really loved each other. And if we'll do that, then your kids are going to be raised in a healthy environment. And then when they go out and begin uh, picking a mate, they're going to want somebody. They're going to have a model to follow. They're going to want somebody like their dad or like their mother. And that's the, 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 the direction that they're going to go. So I think it's really important. Moms, be an example to your daughters about what being a godly wife is about. And talk to them about it. But I also think it takes a lot of communication. So you want to know what to do for your children. Love and respect your husband. Be playful in the home. Make sure it's a fun place, an environment that's filled with the joy of the Lord. And be so real. Be so real. I think Paula mentioned this in the message that she did this past Saturday in Bastrop at a women's conference. Um, when you mess up, and you will mess up, get everybody together and, and say, you know what, I blew it. I'm so sorry um, to the one that you blew it in front of. Please forgive me. And to the children who witnessed it, please forgive me and hold me accountable. Watch my example because I don't want to be like that anymore. So I think just being real. 
I think one other comment, when things are hard and, and, and life gets hard sometimes, they need to see that you really trust the Lord, that you don't take matters into your own hands, that you don't try to make decisions apart from the will of God. And when your children can see that, then they're going to watch the power of God move in and through your lives, and they're going to know, again, that your Jesus is real. And when they make choices, if they make the wrong ones, they'll know there's a better option. So, Anonymous, I hope that answers your question, but love and respect your husband is at the top of the list. 340-9585 for your live calls and questions. Here is... A question. Actually, I got two questions about what's going on in Israel. Charlie wants to know why does God favor the Jews over the Palestinians? Now, God is not a respecter of persons. Um, God doesn't favor Jews individually. They need Jesus Christ. They need their sins to be forgiven. Now, He does favor Israel. Israel is God's chosen people, and that means God has always had a plan for Israel. Uh, That plan will continue into the millennial reign of Christ. And God favors Israel because that's part of his plan. And God has promised to preserve and bless them. Now, we all know that Israel throughout the centuries, throughout their history, has been sort of stubborn and stiff-necked and disobedient. So much so that God, after warning them over, in some cases, hundreds of years, so much so that he had to judge their rebellion by bringing pagan peoples um, to them so that they could be judged and they they would be overwhelmed. Seventy-year captivity in Babylon, uh, followed then by uh, the Medes and the Persian, and then uh, Alexander the Great and the Greeks, and and finally Rome, all the way down into the time uh, where Jesus lived. So um, God favors Israel. He chose Israel out of all of the peoples on the world, out of all of the nations, all of the geographic land in the world. He chose that strip of ground. Now, he wanted to expand it when he showed Moses uh, the ground that he was going to give to Israel. Um, uh, Unfortunately, they won't, until the Millennial Kingdom, enjoy it, but they could have. Um, God favors them. Now, let me also say this. Um, The Palestinians cannot be favored by anybody. And I I mentioned on this program the last couple of weeks, I've been shocked by the level of anti-Semitism today in uh, Dagestan. Um, uh, There there was a a mob, uh, an unruly mob that were waiting for some Jews to get off a commercial flight. And they were going to attack and kill those Jews. And the world is just sort of yawning at this. On our own country, in our own land, we've got people supporting the Palestinian, the terrorists, and what they did, and and vilifying Israel and Jews. Anti-Semitism is always of the devil. The Palestinians have vowed to wipe Israel when, when you hear the chant, and unfortunately this is a chant that, that's been heard on our college campuses from the river to the sea, that's a Palestinian chant, a Hamas chant, saying we're going to exterminate the Jews, we're going to wipe them off the face of the When did that become okay in the United States? And yet that's exactly where we are. So uh, the Palestinians doing these horrible things, uh, there is going to be a judgment. Um in the millennial kingdom, the sheep and the goats, and the people that treat Israel the way Hamas and the Palestinians are, and the their other Arab neighbors, uh, they are going to be judged by the Lord so harshly. Israel is the apple of his eye. Jesus is coming back to Israel. So that's why God favors Israel. Again, I want to separate the nation of Israel from individual Jews, because the only way an individual Jew can please God isn't through his Jewishness or her Jewishness. It's only by coming to a saving faith in Jesus Christ, being born again. So that, Charlie, is the answer. And um, uh, believe me, God is going to deal harshly with the enemies of Israel. 
Here is a second question about this stuff. Trey wants to know, is the war in Israel fulfilling prophecy? Now, here's what we have to be careful, Trey. And the reason we need to be careful of this is because uh, people are jumping to all kinds of conclusions and uh, uh, we're, we're not really rightly dividing the word of God. This war is not fulfilling any prophecy. I had a friend uh, uh, email me and ask me, do you think this is the fulfillment of Psalm 83? No, Psalm 83 is not a prophetic psalm. So, so no, this isn't fulfilling prophecy. Now, here's what I want you to understand. The events of, of uh, this war, um, the, even the trend of this war, uh, could be the beginning of a conflict or a war which will fulfill prophecy. We're looking at Ezekiel 38 and 39 at some time in the future. Some people think that it will happen before the rapture. Others, and I, I, um, I believe this personally, think that it will happen, that war will happen immediately following the rapture. Um, but, but that's the fulfillment of prophecy. That's not happened yet. Now, the reason I said that this war could be leading up to the events that will fulfill prophecy, if you look around, it's getting really interesting. And I don't mean in a neat kind of way, but in a um, we better look up for our redemption draws near kind of way. Um, look what's happening around Syria. Uh, Lord says Damascus is going to be destroyed in an hour, in an instant. And if that's the case, um, keep your eye on Syria and and Syria is is sort of finagling their way into a place um where they are are um um joining those who are coming against Israel. But I think even more interesting than that is Turkey, Erdogan in 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 uh, in Turkey. Um uh, you read about Asia Minor in the New Testament. That's modern day Turkey. And um, um, their anti-Semitism is um, resounding. And, and, and they're, too, um, sort of partnering with the enemies of Israel. We see Russia and Iran working together. Uh, Ezekiel 38 and 39 talks about those nations from the north. Um, that, that describes both of those nations. And so we need to be really, really tuned in to what's going on. Then we can look back and say, this is the fulfillment of that prophecy. But keep in mind, I personally think that the rapture is going to happen first and we won't see these things. But what we can see now, Trey, is we can see uh, a world situation that is percolating to the point it's ready to boil over. And, and we need to keep our eyes on what's going on in Jerusalem. And let me say this without apology. We who are believers have to be on God's side. He's on Israel's side. That does not mean Israel is a holy people. It doesn't mean that they're better than other people or that they're somehow a Christian nation. None of that is true. But Israel and that ground the ground that even Israel has been trying to give away and the world has been trying to bully Israel into a two-state solution, that ground belongs to God and just to God. And he can do with it as he wants. So, Trey, there's a lot going on here that uh, should cause all of us to look up. Um, At the same time, we also need to be really focused on the mission that God has given us going into all the world, making disciples of all nations or all peoples. And and our job is to, to scatter the seed, sow the word of God, wherever we go, being active in sharing our faith. If you really want to know what your role is, Trey, uh, if I want to know what my role is, it's simply that we need to get people saved. We need to let them know that Jesus is coming, that the end is near. Look around at all the things that are happening and then provide them the way out. And, of course, the way out is the gospel of Jesus Christ. So, Trey, that's um, what's going on uh, in the Middle East right now. And it is really, really dodgy right now. Um, Last question for this half of the program. Marty, no, Marcy, I'm sorry, says, Is it possible today to live a life without sin? 
I don't think so, but a man in church does. Let me answer that, Marcy, with just First uh, John five eighteen. Uh, he says, uh, this is John the Apostle, if we claim to be without sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. Now, I have no idea how anybody with a straight face could say it's possible to live a sinless life. There's just too much flesh, too much ugliness in us. No, we can't. Uh, we sin um, because we're sinners. Um, but but we have an advocate when we sin, a mediator, one mediator between man and God, the man Christ Jesus. So our sins can be forgiven. First John 1, 9, uh, the very next verse says that if we confess our sins, he will be faithful and just to forgive us and to purify us from all sin. But if we claim to be without sin, we're deceiving ourselves, and the truth isn't in us. So you're the the one who's right on this, Marcy, uh, not whoever it was that told you that. You know, that's been kind of a popular thing. I think there's some um, false teachers on the radio uh, stations around the country who have been advocating uh, sinless perfection and the possibility. It's absolute nonsense. Those are false teachers. Stay away from them. Hey, we've got 30 minutes left in the Monday show, 340-9585, or toll-free, 877-630-KSLR. This is the word to stand on for life. I'll be back in two minutes. Back to the word to stand on for life. We're taking your calls at 340-9585 or toll free 877-630-KSLR. Now, here's Pastor Ron Arbaugh. Welcome back to the program. We've got 30 minutes left to answer your questions. Hey, at the top today, I forgot to mention that tonight here at Calvary Chapel, we have our regular Monday night Bible studies, the men and the women. At 7 o'clock, our high school and junior high school youth, also at 7 o'clock, they all get together for worship and then go their separate directions. Ladies, you can watch um, the ladies' study at calvarysa.com. And if I remember right, and at my age, that's not so easy, I think Jocelyn uh, Makasadi is teaching tonight, so uh, that will be fun. Uh, So that's tonight at 7 o'clock. You can make it a family affair. And it's so cold outside, there's nothing else to do. So you can come here and join that. Let's go to Cindy on line one. Cindy, thank you for calling. You're on the air. Good afternoon, Pastor Ron. How are you? I'm cold. Other than that, I'm fine. No, you are. Hang in there. It's Texas. It'll warm up sometime. (laughs) You know what? I was reading um, Psalm... 45, chapter 45, and verse 6 and 7, and I'm going to read them, and then I'll tell you the part that I wanted you to go over and the reason why. Now, um, chapter 45, verse 6, Your throne, O God, will last forever and ever. A scepter of justice will be scepter of your kingdom, your love, righteousness, and hate wickedness. Therefore, God, your God, has set you above your companions by anointing you with the oil of joy. Now, the part that I was interested in is where it says, therefore, God, your God. Mm -hmm. And I was wondering, is that kind of like a reference to God the Father and God the Son? That's how I was kind of, what it made me think of when I read it. So I'm going to get off the phone and listen on the radio, and and, and I hope it warms up soon for you. Bye. Me too. I'm looking for 90 again. Cindy, you're right. Uh, This is a a psalm that is um, prophetic of the Lord and his millennial reign. And um, um, that's just a reference to the two separate persons. Um, I I would argue that all three persons of the triune God are in view in verse 7. The oil of joy, of course, is, uh, is the power of the Holy Spirit. Uh, or symbolic of the Holy Spirit. So that's what he's saying. Um, when, when Jesus takes the throne of David, the throne that's been promised him by his father, um, justice, perfect justice will rule and reign. Now, in some unknown fashion, Cindy, we're going to rule and reign with the Lord, but it will be a perfect um, kingdom 
righteousness. Now, there are going to be flesh and blood people that live there. You and I, as Christians, by then we'll be in our glorified physical resurrected bodies. Uh, that's what qualifies us to rule and reign with the Lord. But but we're going to be ruling over people. It doesn't mean the people are going to be perfect. It just means that the justice will be perfect. And uh, that's demonstrated by the fact that it says of the Lord that he loves righteousness and hates wickedness. And that will be the defining factor um, in the in the uh, millennial kingdom um, good, bad, right, wrong. There won't be any nuance. There won't be any room for opinion. Uh, there won't be any need for attorneys to defend ourselves. Um, our deeds will be known. Um, everything out in the open. And so that's what he's saying. So, um, therefore, God, your God, the Father, or Jesus said of the Father, that all judgment has been given to me by my Father. And that's the reference there. Thank you, Cindy. I appreciate it very, very much. 340-9585 for your live calls and questions. Here is a question from Natalie. Um, Pastor Ron, what does it mean that the law, and in parentheses she put the Ten Commandments, what does it mean that the law is a schoolmaster leading us to Christ? That confuses me. Um, Natalie, it's very important, uh, and it should be simple. The law rather than giving us a, a list of things that we can do and be okay with God, that law points out the fact that we can't keep it. And so the idea of a schoolmaster or a, a, a mentor, a tutor, um, every time we look at the law, we ought to fall on our face. The Apostle Paul said, I, I wouldn't have known what coveting was, uh, and then I stumbled on the commandment, thou shalt not covet. And, and he knew, he said, I was, I was a sinner. And so the schoolmaster, it's just somebody leading somebody to Jesus Christ. And the reason that the law leads us to Christ is we're hopeless and, and helpless in terms of keeping the law. And remember, Jesus said to, to, to get to heaven without believing in him, you have to be perfect. That's the standard. So, Natalie, what he's saying is when we see the law, we should utter our complete helplessness. Uh, to, to do it. Just, I can't do these things. Now, we can try and we can hope we can do better, but the fact is we always blow it. And so that then should lead us to Jesus Christ, who will deal with us with mercy and grace. So that's what it means. It shouldn't be confusing at all. When Paul wrote that, He's writing to people that were being persecuted and uh, the threat of legalism, um, having to keep the law, celebrate the festivals. Um, they were going back. Uh, what did Paul say? Oh, foolish Galatians, you were running a good race. Who cut in on you? You started in the spirit. Are you going to finish in the flesh? And And of course, the question is we can't. So what we do is we use the law in our inability to keep the law. And that leads us to the person of Jesus Christ. And when we do that, Natalie, then we're walking in grace, forgiveness of all of our sins, past, present, and future. Now, Paul deals in the book of Romans. That is not a license to sin. Not a license to look at the law and say, I don't have to keep that. Um, we don't have to keep the law. We get to. And it's the power of the Holy Spirit in us that enables us to do that. Thank you for the question, Natalie. Here is a question that came in from Jerry. Um, Pastor Ron, I heard you make a joke yesterday about your youth pastors and, uh, how, and, and being boring. What did you mean by that? Should, you, uh, should your pastors not be concerned with reaching the kids? I laughed, but was a little bit confused. Um, the, the context, Jerry, uh, yesterday was... Um, you know, we our our ministry. I was talking in, uh, about teaching the word. This is what we do. It's what defines Calvary Chapel of San Antonio. We teach the Bible. We teach the the fun stuff, the easy stuff, the hard stuff, and the really really hard stuff. We don't avoid anything, uh, and basically said, look, we're not cool. You know, we, you certainly don't have a cool pastor. Um, we don't do cool things. You come in, you find a seat, and we teach the Word. And then I told uh, the people in church yesterday, 
that uh, they ought to thank God for and be praying for our two youth pastors, Pastor Chris, who is a junior high pastor, and Pastor Matthew, who's our high school pastor. And I said, because they are the, the most uncool. In fact, I hired the most uncool people there were. And, um, you know, the idea, Jerry, that we have to reach the kids and the way to reach the kids is sort of be cool or, or to, to, to come down to their level is absolute under nonsense. It's a lack of faith in the word of God. The way to reach the kids is with the, the word of God. That's the way to reach them. And that's exactly what these kids, they're young men, what these young men are doing. They're being faithful to do what I do. And they're doing it with your kids. And the kids are growing in in their walk with the Lord. They're falling in love with the Word of God. And we're simply not going to be cool. Uh, one of the things that precipitated uh, what I said was, um, you know, talking about our new location. Uh, we're going to have an opportunity to, to have our own youth church. Um, we, we have space now, and, or we will have space. And, uh, you know, our kids now, uh, the high schoolers, have to go to Mr. Gaddy's uh, across the parking lot from us because we don't have room. And and Mr. Gaddy's has been wonderful. They provide a nice big space for us. Um, and they've been doing it for years and years and years. So thank God for them and pray for them. Uh, they've been doing great. But it's not an environment that's really conducive to, to good Bible study. And yet the kids have been growing, and and it, it's just been wonderful. Well, we're going to have room to put everything together. We're going to have a, a high school room, a junior high school room. Um, but I said, it's not going to be cool. Don't look for beanbag chairs or sofas or air hockey games. Uh, it's going to be find a chair, open your Bibles, and that's what we're going to do. It's what we've always done, and it's what we're going to do. Now, both of those youth pastors have grown up in our church, um, they they know me as as grandpa really, and um, um, I didn't hurt their feelings at all. I want everybody to know that when when we sat down uh, and 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 sort of drew up what our youth ministry would look like, I made a point to tell them never try to be cool, never try to be cool. And I'm not afraid they're going to be cooler than me. Everybody's cooler than me, so. We've got consistency, an uncool pastor and uncool youth pastors, and our church and the future of this church is in really good hands. So, Jerry, that's what uh, I was talking about, and they know that I meant that as a compliment, as a compliment. Three four zero ninety five eighty five. here's a question from Bobby. What exactly does it mean where the Bible says anything not of faith is sin? I keep hearing different meanings and I still don't understand. That's Romans 14.23, Bobby. And, um, um, you know, we're talking there about, uh, and remember, the, the, the original manuscripts didn't have chapter and verse divisions. So we're talking about everything from offering your bodies to living sacrifice to submitting to the government authorities uh, to to uh, um, walking in liberty without trampling on uh, the, the, the liberty that somebody else has. In other words, being accepted. And when he says that is, it just means follow your conscience. So if, if uh, I'll, I'll give you a perfect example. I have people come to me all the time and say, well, Pastor Ron, um, I, I know God doesn't want me to smoke, but I'm really having a hard time. And I say, Romans 14, 23, if you can't smoke in faith, knowing that God's okay with it, then it's not okay for you. It might be okay for somebody else, but it's not okay for you. Bobby, I say the same thing about drinking. People say, well, well is it okay if I have a, a beer now and then or if I have a glass of wine with dinner now and then? I just tell them, you know, that's a matter of conscience. Romans fourteen twenty three. If you can do it without feeling convicted. Now, here's the problem, Bobby. I think sometimes we try to do that kind of stuff and our conscience is bothering us. The Holy Spirit's knocking at the door of our heart, and we think, well, no, I'm free to do this. And, and the reality is God is trying to get our attention. And I want you to understand, some people can drink or some people can smoke, and it's okay. But you may have a different calling in your life, Bobby. And, and, and God is asking you to give up something for 
him and for the calling that he wants in your life. Um, I, I've been asked by the Lord not to watch R-rated movies. Now, I'm a movie person. I like them. So I don't watch R-rated movies. Now, that means I miss out on a lot of movies that I would enjoy. Um, I could not go to an R-rated movie in good conscience, and that means anything not of faith is sin for me. It's not just a sin for anybody or everybody, but it's a sin for me. So that's what that means, and it's just God saying, hey, how about you and I work out the things that you can do or should not do? Let's work those out together. Remembering that God has different plans for everybody, and um, if God asks you not to do something that he allows somebody else to do, we can't be resentful. Well, I don't think that's fair, Lord. God has something for you. I'll give you one more example, and then I'll go to uh, Greg on, on, on the line. Um Tattoos. We got a lot of guys with tattoos. Um, a lot of my pastors are are tatted up pretty good, and 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 they'll come to me and say, "Well, I'm thinking about getting a different tattoo. I'm going to ask them why." And I say, "You know, the more tattoos that you have that are exposed that people can see, the fewer people you're going to be able to minister to. You're actually disqualifying some people. Now, is it fair that somebody would look at a tattoo and say, well, I don't want to hear anything from that person because he's got tattoos? No, it's not fair. But that guy is a weak Christian. But remember, we want to reach the weak Christians as well. So what I ask my pastors to do, I don't ever tell them, yes, get it or don't get it. But I tell them, first examine your motive and then go before the Lord. And maybe God wants you to forego this tattoo because he wants people to be able to hear you without being distracted with the markings on your body. So it's just those kind of things, Bobby, things where the Bible is not specifically clear about those things. Good question, Bobby. Thank you very, very much. I use Romans fourteen twenty three in counseling a lot. Thanks a lot. Let's go to Greg from Boverde on line one. Greg, thank you for calling. You're on the air. Hey, thanks for taking my call on here. If you could, uh, if one mind, Pastor Ron, leave me on so in case I have a follow-up question on this. But okay. I heard I heard you talking about the uh, you know current events going on in Israel and and all that. Um, in in light of, uh, you know, I'd be surprised if we're still here in twenty years. You know, the way things are looking for sure. Uh, there's just too many signs that are you know focused on the you know, a, a rapture within our lifetime. I think. Um, and the light of that and what you know about those events, uh, do you think that we're going to go through some, even though it may not be you know, the end time in times, but is it possible that you know we could really live through some really difficult, tough, tough times before the event happens? Uh, saying we're, you know, craziness in the city, uh, you know, where it's if you're if you live outside a city you're better off because you're not dealing with the craziness of people going, you know, uh, losing their minds in the city. Do you, do you think, you know, how do you perceive that those times leading up to the rapture, you know, what what that may be like, what we may be facing? Yeah, Greg, I I I think you you're on it. I. I, 20 years, you, you use 20 years. I think that's a long, I think, I, I, I'm I'm thinking that things are going to come to culmination before that. That's not me naming dates or anything. It's just, it's just the intensity. And I want to say this to, to, to everybody in the audience. I think one of the things that we've never seen in this country, the way we are seeing it right now, is the, the, the rabid anti-Semitism. Um, this is the devil. Anti-Semitism is the devil, and the devil is angry. The Bible says he knows his time is short, and he's angry. Uh, I think we're not only in the last days, but but I think, Greg, that we're in the last hours of the last days. Now, what's the basis for that? In addition to what's going on in the Middle East, listen to this. First, I'm sorry, Second Timothy chapter 3. But mark this, verse 1, there will be terrible, the King James used the word perilous times, in the last days. People will be lovers of themselves, 
lovers of money, boastful, proud, abusive, disobedient to parents, ungrateful, unholy, without love. Now, without love, if you have King James, it says without natural affection. And and Greg, that's a word that describes the the instinctive affection and love that a mother has for her, her, her newly born child. And and that love is gone. We've murdered 65 million babies in the United States since 1973. Uh, and of course, that's just our nation. So we're in that time. Unforgiving. Um, you talk about council culture. Uh, people are unforgiving. Nobody even wants to talk about grace or mercy or forgiveness anymore. We all want our pound of flesh. Slanderous. The horrible things that we say without self-control. Think about the lawlessness that we see in our, again, I'm just talking about the United States. Think about the lawlessness that we see in this nation. And we see law enforcement actually pulling back. You know, we don't stop people from stealing anymore. We we just sort of back off because we don't want to be accused of of, of, of bad things. So, um, I mean, what, what Paul is describing is our culture. He could be writing about the very moment that we live in and the very place that we live in. And, and it's going everywhere. Look at, at um, um, the, the, the homelessness issue. Um, how This is unsustainable. How long can we keep doing this? So, Greg, I think the answer to your question is um, we're going to see really, really difficult times. And I think, tragically, most of the Christian church, that means Christians, not individual churches, but Christians are ill-prepared for those really, really difficult times. And I think, um, according to Acts chapter 17, verse 26, we need to let God prepare us because we live at a time where he's placed us, um, you know, what did Esther say, for such a time as this. So I think that's what it is. Greg, is that, do you have a follow-up? Uh, yeah, so so you really, uh, I guess, are the, of the opinion that, uh, you know, before the rapture happens, the way the economy is right now and the, the, what's going on in the Middle East and oil and, you know, could you, do you foresee, foresee that we could really go through some serious, serious difficult times um, where it's even hard to get food, uh, you know, before we're taken out? Yeah. Well, you know, as you know, Greg, um, I think you and I have talked about this before, but in the, in the Great Tribulation, people will not be able to buy or sell anything, let alone food, without taking the mark of the beast. I think that's already being set up. I think we're, we're being prepared for it. So, yeah, I think not only are things going to be hard economically, Again, the, the current model, the way things are going, is unsustainable. Now, maybe the Lord will provide us a different president or a different Congress that will tighten the strings on spending, um, and 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 maybe things will last a little bit. But we we need to be ready for really really hard times. I personally think. Um, my, my focus is not on the economic difficulties, although that certainly will be the case. Um, my focus is on the, the utter lawlessness. Um, we live in a cruel world now. Um, men are treacherous, uh, Paul says to Timothy, rash, conceited, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God. What we're seeing people identify with their sexuality uh, in, in God's face, mocking him. And I think we're seeing the polarization of people one from another. We see the pull away from fellowship. We see the apostasy. I believe that's already begun. That's a falling away from the faith right now in the world that we live in, in the United States of America. um, You can't talk about Jesus Christ at work without being threatened with your job. Uh, People don't want to hear. So, yes, I think all of those signs point to perilous times. Um, impossibly difficult times apart from the power of the Holy Spirit. And I think what we're going to see in response to that from the Lord is we're going to see an outpouring of supernatural power um, that would be, I think, similar to what we see in the book of Acts. Um, You know, they were under great persecution. Their lives were at risk. And I think when we get to the place where we're serious enough about 
uh, about the the Lord's return, that God is going to pour out His Spirit and, and will be used in supernatural ways. One other comment, Greg, I think we're also going to um, see a, a, a big rise in demonic activity. I think we're going to see more and more people especially those who have given themselves over to sexual sin, those who have given themselves over to drugs or alcohol. I think we're going to see uh, a lot more demon possession, and I think we're going to see more satanic opposition through those people. I just think it's really going to be hard. Now, people say, well, that's not very good news. It doesn't make me feel good. But, But see, that's why we're told when you see these things happen, look up for your redemption draws near. So, Greg, thanks very much. Good to hear from you. God bless you. And by the way, Greg and anybody else, I never cut anybody off. I don't have that kind of equipment here in my studio office. Um, Most people just hang up. You can stay on the phone as long as you guys want. Okay, I don't think we have any time for any more calls. So let me see what I got time-wise. A little over one minute to go. Let me remind you then that tonight here at Calvary Chapel, we've got our men's, women's, and youth Bible studies at 7 o'clock. Jocelyn Makasadi will be teaching uh, the ladies. Pastor Ken will be teaching the men. Uh, Pastor Chris and Pastor Matthew will be teaching the junior high and high schoolers. And if you have younger kids, you can bring them, and we've got a place for them where uh, they'll talk about uh, the Word of God as well. So thank you. I appreciate it very, very much. Remember, look up. Look up. Jesus is coming soon, and we need to be ready. You have been listening to The Word to Stand On for Life. I'm Pastor Ron Arbaugh from Calvary Chapel in San Antonio, Texas. I'm so grateful and appreciative of the fact that you take time out of your day to tune in. May God richly bless you. Lord willing, I'll be back tomorrow at 4 o'clock on AM 630 The Word. We'll see you then. Thanks for spending this time with Calvary Chapel's The Word to Stand On for Life with Pastor Ron Arbaugh. The Word to Stand On for Life is on every weekday afternoon at 4, and Pastor Ron invites you to find out more about Calvary Chapel at calvarysa.com. The Word to Stand On for Life was sponsored by Calvary Chapel of San Antonio. Star General Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.